we uh, were also up in Jacksonville at a conference with uh, our next speaker that's coming and we were so blessed to be in that conference where we focused on systems and strategies church growth and it's a wonderful conference for the southeastern part of the United States and uh, brother and sister Gaddy we are so delighted uh, that they are here with us today brother Gaddy was one of our main speakers in that conference and we convinced him to stay over and be with us on this Sunday he pastors a great revival church in Cabot Arkansas Amen. He's also the district superintendent uh, of the uh, state of Arkansas with the United Pentecostal Church, which is about uh, oversight of 150, 160 churches. And uh, he travels all over the United States speaking. He's headed Monday to New York City. But I'm glad that he's in Palm Bay, Florida today. And he is joined by his wonderful wife, Sister Stacy Gaddy. You're going to be blessed by his ministry. He'll also be speaking tonight. Would you make Pastor Tim Gaddy welcome at Eastwind? God bless you, Jesus. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Are you glad to be in church on a Sunday morning? Why don't we let our voice out to the Lord in praise right now? Clap those hands, lift those voices. Let's make a joyful shout to the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I praise your holy name, Lord. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We live in a culture that places a preeminence on improving things. How many of you have ever bought new and improved laundry detergent? new and improved but I'm so thankful that he never changes and the way that God has always been is good enough for us today I'm here glad that he never changes he's the same yesterday today and forever praise God amen it is such a joy to be in Palm Bay this morning and to worship God with all of you why don't you turn to someone and say, you really look good today. Give them a compliment. <laughs> you may be seated. Now, I hope when they said that, they didn't laugh. My, it is such a joy to be here and to worship God with all of you. I like what I feel in this service today. Amen. And you have a very special church here. Do you realize that? I think you realize that. These praise singers were awesome. All these musicians and praise singers, they did a marvelous job. And then I am so grateful for our pastor Pastor David Myers and his good wife, Sister Amy. Aren't you thankful for your pastor and the First Lady of East Wind? Amen. Such wonderful people. Now, one of the things I've told people before about the Arkansas District is we have just some of the greatest ministers and their spouses in all of the world. And one of the reasons why we love Arkansas is because in Arkansas, our preachers not only love each other, but we like each other too. How I many of you know that's a benefit? 
We have to love each other. The Bible says to do that. But I don't like everybody. But your pastor and his wife are some people that we deeply love and we like being around them too. Amen. And then I think about Bishop Myers and Sister Myers. Think about this with me. Here at Eastwind, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost all in this church. That is awesome. No wonder you're blessed. Amen. But what, what a privilege to be with Bishop and his good wife, and I give them honor. And uh, then to have my wife with me, this is a special treat. She was speaking, actually, at a ladies' event in South Georgia, and it just so happened that we were able to fly into the same airport, go our different ways, come back together yesterday, and head south to Palm Bay. So I, I think the Lord's in this. And I'm so thankful that my wife is here. I want you to stand with me, if you would, please, and I'm going to direct your attention this morning to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17. Amen. I appreciate Sister Sophia today. Sons of Thunder, Gregory and Luke. Amen. The first family of this church. I appreciate our PKs. And I am a firm believer that you cannot be good enough to your pastor and his family. You say, well, Brother Gaddy, that's home cooking. You're a pastor. No, I'm telling you, our pastor and his family stand between us and eternity. And I think there is such great value in the man and woman of God. And I know you love and value your, your leaders here at East Wind. And I have long admired this church. I've long respected what God is doing here. And it's just a privilege and an honor to be with you. 1 Kings chapter 17, if you have your Bible, if maybe someone around you doesn't have a Bible, you can uh, share your Bible with them. I was at a conference a few years ago, and I had everybody turn in their Bible, and um, I asked, I said, how many of you brought your Bible? And, you know, it's amazing in 2022 when you ask that question. In fact, let's just ask that question right now. Hold your Bible up if you brought your Bible. Would you hold it up? And just keep it held up for just a second. Now, real quick, I want you to look around and see what is in the air right now. There are leather-bound Bibles. There are Bibles with covers on them. There's tablets. There's iPhones. You can put your Bible down. At this particular conference, I said, hold up your Bible. And everybody did. And one young man on the front row, when I said, hold up your Bible, he just pointed at the screen. <laughs> so, whether you are reading from your Bible or you're just looking at the screen, let's look at the word of the Lord together. First Kings chapter 17, verse 1, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. It shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did, according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. Verse number 8, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, 
Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. He arose, and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the city, the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Note how she responded to the prophet. She said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Everybody say first. Bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? I want to preach for just a few minutes on a simple subject. The title is very easy to remember. It's just two words. Nudge your neighbor and say, you're not going to forget this. First, God. Got it? Say it with me. First, God. So when you go to the restaurant this afternoon and your waitress says, oh, you look nice. You've been at church? You say, yeah, we were at church. What did the preacher preach? First. God. Good. Would you set your Bible down? Lift up your hands with me and let's invoke God's presence on this word as it's preached. Everybody in the house, would you pray with me right now? Lord, we are grateful for your presence. I am so thankful to be in your house today. I'm grateful, Lord, that you can do anything, that when we assemble together and lift up your name, you draw near to us. So, Lord, would you tenderize our hearts to receive your word right now. Let the seed of your word fall upon good ground and bring forth fruit, Lord. And for that, we're going to praise you and glorify your name, Lord. To you be all glory, honor, and praise, Lord. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone, would you say amen? Amen. Greet two more people before you're seated and say, First God. And you may be seated. We've come through about 30 days now of this year 2022. Perhaps you're still staying true to your resolutions. You're still exercising. You're still watching what you eat. I had one guy tell me, Brother Gaddy, I watch what I eat all the time. Lots of food. I watch it come right into my mouth. (laughs) But perchance today you are needing to revisit priorities. So I wish to preach a very practical, biblical message on this Sunday morning. I remember hearing my pastor from years ago in California, Kenneth Haney, quote his father, Clyde Haney. And he said, it doesn't matter how high you jump, when your feet hit the ground, you better know how to walk right. With God's help, I want to preach from the Bible today a message that I believe if we'll grab a hold of this, 
It'll help us walk right. In fact, I'll go a little further. I was looking at a bookshelf a number of years ago, and one of the titles of a book jumped off the bookshelf at me. It was a book entitled, The Key to Everything. And I thought, I'm, I'm a curious guy. I thought to myself, I need to read that book. Because it's going to give me the key to everything. And so with great humility, I stand in this pulpit, not because it's me preaching it, but it's the Word of God, and I want to declare emphatically, I believe if we will catch what the Spirit is wanting to say through His Word today, this message, this subject, this truth from God's Word can revolutionize our life. It can touch every seasoned saint. It can help every new member. It can speak to every guest that you've graced our presence by coming to East Wind this morning. There is something that is embedded within the New Testament over and over again. It's echoed by the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 when He declared, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, or what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Matthew 6 and 31, Jesus said, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we, we wear? For after all of these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things, all the finite, all the temporal, all the necessary things, they will be added to you if you will seek Him first and seek His kingdom first. Jesus said it plainly, there are people outside of this covenant Jewish nation. There are people outside of covenant promise who worry often and readily about temporal things. Please note, they're not followers of mine. They don't have the heritage that you have. And so they are enamored with just getting by. But he said, you're a different people. You're not just another group of children not going to let you go without I'm not going to leave you on the outside of covenant but you are my children oh I believe I've come with a word from the Lord today if you have been baptized in his name if you have been filled with his spirit you're not just another child you are his child and when I am his child he will take care of me he will sustain me he will help me food drink clothing all of them temporal all of them finite Jesus said do not be anxious about any of these things pursue Jesus first Get after the kingdom of God first. Pursue, chase, go.
go after, seek after his kingdom first. When you wake up in the morning, be thinking about him first. When you make decisions, ask him first. When you're giving, put him first. Pursue him, seek him first. Seek his righteousness first. Seek that condition that is acceptable before God. And the promise that Jesus gives is if we will live a first God life, all the other stuff will be added to us. See, if I seek the temporal, I lose the eternal. But if I seek the eternal, the temporal will be given to me. Now this passage in 1 Kings is, is awesome to me. It's one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament. Because of all the different characters and scenarios embedded within it. There is truth that can be exhaust its subjects. How many of you have ever read a passage over and over and over again? And you read it one more time. And you see something that you've never seen before. I call it an aha moment. How many know what I'm talking about right now? You read the story of David and Goliath, those of you that are accustomed to Scripture, and you read about it, and you were taught it in Sunday school, perhaps when you were just a seven-year-old child, but there's something about it that comes alive. Better within this story in 1 Kings chapter 17, is powerful truth. First of all, a less than desirable environment is a tremendous opportunity for God's provision to be seen. I'm going to rewind that. A less than desirable environment is a tremendous opportunity for God's provision to be seen. You and I can sit in Palm Bay on a Sunday morning. If we're not careful, we can be inundated by media and the culture of this day. Everybody's anxious. Everybody's worried. Everybody's concerned. The world is going crazy. There's all sorts of opinions. And if we are not careful, we can import that into the church. And somehow think that it's bad out there and it's bad in here. But I've got a newsflash for somebody. It's when it gets bad out there that he rises his church to preeminence. It's when it's bad out in the world that the church stands like a lighthouse and people see a difference. You see, when it gets bad in the world, the church rises and the church stands and the church is blessed. Come on, brothers and sisters, a less than desirable environment is a perfect time for God's glory to be seen. His provision to come forth. Now, I want you to hear this. So everybody turn to your neighbor and say, turn your ears on right now. And if you just woke up, good morning and welcome. But Elijah's key to being sustained in the midst of the drought, listen very closely, was not his need, but rather hearing... And obeying the voice of God. 
Is it so easy for us to come before the Lord and say, Lord, would you look at how much I have in need? As though we're going to impress God with our need. But you and I can come with a boatload of needs. And the whisper of the Spirit comes. And He says, I've got a remedy for you if you'll hear my voice. And you'll obey my voice. The prophet was surrounded by drought. He was surrounded by difficulty. And the Lord spoke to him. And said, I need, I've got a specific place designated for you. I am powerful enough and I am great enough to hide the prophet in a place of resource and provision that other people don't know about. Oh, I've come to preach to somebody when it gets bad in the world, he can still hide his children. He can still provide for his people. He can still send you to a prepared place. Do I have a witness in the house today? How many know that he still has a brook Cherith for us? He still has a specific place of provision for us. I need you to go to the brook Cherith. And when you get to the brook Cherith, the supernatural is going to break loose. He goes to the brook Cherith. And while he's there, the scripture says that the Lord commanded ravens to bring him bread and meat in the morning and the evening. Now, I'm preaching this at risk today because for those who perhaps have, have heard this story before, it's easy to go to the end of the story and miss the power of the story. It's a drought. Nobody has anything to drink. And the prophet hears the word of the Lord say, Go to Cherith and stay at that brook. And if you'll go to that brook, I'm going to whisper in the ear of a bird. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to whisper in the ear of a raven. And I'm going to say, Madam Raven, I need you to go pick up some bread over here and fly it over here because I've got one of my children camping out by the brook Cherith. And I need you to go get some meat over here. And you bring it about 9.30 because he, he likes eating a late breakfast. And then I want you to bring it about 6 o'clock every night. I am whispering in the ear of a bird to take care of my prophet and take care of the man of God. How many of you know that God is great enough? And God is big enough? And God is miraculous enough? To whisper in the ear of a bird to take care of his child. Come on, honey. He knows where you're at. He sees where you're at. He will command the supernatural. He ate miraculous provision from a bird. Drank from a brook that hadn't dried up. And then the scripture says the brook Cherith dried up and the Lord spoke to him and said, Arise, get back up, and go to Zarephath. For I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. Now here's where I had a, an explosion come in my brain. I have read the rest of that story. 
And we have now because I read it in, in the text. We know it did happen. She sustained him. Watch. But when it started, she didn't know. I'm being used by God right now. To make a way for you in a way you didn't think he'd make a way. My wife and I started our church in 1999 and in the late 2000s we were wanting to build a building. And we had to go before the planning commission of our city. And um, I took a, a group of guys and we had to meet to see if the commission would give us approval to build this building on this certain piece of property. And when I walked in... I saw an elderly man sitting all the way across the planning commission meeting room who I recognized. His name was Bob. The first time I ever met Bob was several years before in the post office. And we were standing at the little table by the post office boxes, opening up our mail, deciding what was going to go in the trash and what we're going to take home with us. And he looked at me and he said, I get so much junk mail. I said, I do too. Just wears me out. He looked at me. He said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor here in town. We hadn't started our church all that long before I met him in the post office. I said, I'm a pastor in town. Next phrase out of his mouth. I hate preachers. I stuck my hand out. Nice to meet you too. I said, well... Why do you hate preachers? He said, because all you guys are in it for is getting money out of people's pockets. So we talked for a few more minutes, Pastor, and I looked at Bob and I said, Bob, if we meet again, it is my job now to prove to you that you can trust preachers. He said, I don't think so. And he left. Now, that was many, many years ago. You would not believe me if I was to tell you how many times I've run into Bob. It's almost as though when I'm outlining my day and it involves running to the post office, that the Holy Ghost steps in Bob's house. Says, Bob, go check your post office box. I'm telling you, I'm not exact. I cannot tell you. And we've known each other for years now. And we talked to each other. We started a friendship. He would cuss. He still does. Just cusses up a blue streak. But I befriended him. And after a while, he said, Pastor, you ever going to build a building? I said, yeah, I hope to someday, Bob. So now let's fast forward to the planning commission meeting. I walk in years later, I look across the planning commission meeting room, and there's Bob. We lock eyes. He jumps up. He has a nickname for me, and he calls me Preach. So it's about five minutes before the planning commission meeting starts, and Bob sees me, and he jumps up and says, Hey, Preach! Hi, Bob. Evening. He says, come here. 
So you've got to get the picture. It's about five minutes before the meeting. All the big wheels are up behind the desk. All the people that decide whether we get to build our building or not are up behind their desk looking all pompous and important. There's just a scattering of a few people in the main seating area. Me, the guys that are with me, and Bob. Bob says, come here. And he stands about eight feet from the big desk. And he says, I need to talk to you. Now, how many of you know that men and women stand differently when they talk to one another. Pastor, can I use you just for a second? Can you come here? Would you? Duly noted. I'm standing right there. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to embarrass you, I don't think. Just turn toward me. Just turn toward me. You ladies, I've never understood this. You can get right up in each other's business and you can talk, 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 talk. If Pastor and I, if he ever had me do that to him, I ain't coming back to preach again, I guarantee you. Ladies can talk face to face. Guys, we have the ability to face the same direction and talk to each other while we're facing the same direction. Do I have a male witness in the house? So me and the heathen Bob are standing right next to each other, eight feet from the planning commission. I'm nervous about the meeting. And he says, what are you here for, preach? Loud. Like way louder than he and I should be talking. And I realized he's doing this on purpose. Eight feet from the decision makers. What are you here for, preach? Well, Bob, I'm here because we're wanting to build a building and the planning... I I, I matched his volume. (laughs) We're wanting to build a building and these men up here are going to decide whether we can build the building or not. And he never looked at me. He said, I tell you what, preach. Tell them what you want to build. If any of them give you a problem, they got to reckon with me. I don't know if they had the fear of Bob come on them. But unanimously, in about 30 seconds, they said, agree, 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 agree. How many of you know God can take a heathen, or God could take a raven, or God could take a widow woman and hide his people, provide for his people, make a way for his people? Oh, I need someone to hear me right now. If you will put God first, if you will seek him first, if we will come at him first, he will take care of us. He will provide for us. He will come through for us. Oh, I think somebody that's found that to be true ought to just give God some praise right now. Come on, I feel a time out for praise coming on in this house. Come on, somebody's found it to be true. A first God life is a great life. It's a fulfilled life. Ha <laughs> ha Woo!
Oh, see, so, someone realizes that's true today. See, it's not mystical. It's not magical. It's not something you got to have the right last name. Or you got to be talented enough. Or you got to live on the right side of the tracks. Anybody under the sound of my voice can live a first God life that positions us for the miraculous provision of God. Now, this prophet is quite the guy. Because when he gets to the gate of Zarephath, can you imagine what it must have been like when God says there will be a widow woman at that gate gathering sticks? He gets there and he sees a little woman gathering sticks. Ooh, that's powerful. And he says to her, this is in the King James Version, Fetch me some water. How many of you know that's a brave man right there? I ask all the husbands in this house today, how would your... <laughs> I heard a brother just go, never. You knew where I was going, brother. What would your home life be like if you looked at your wife and said, fetch me a drink of water? He did. He said, fetch me a drink of water. And he's saying that in the drought. And as she's going... He thinks of something else. So from his place, he says, And while you're going, bring me a, mor a morsel of bread. She looks at him and she says, Sir, I need to explain something to you. After I go get you water, I was going to go to my house, and I've got a little bit of meal in the barrel. And just a little touch of oil in the cruise. And I was going to put those ingredients together. Now watch this. Bake one more cake. My son and I were going to split that cake. And then we were going to die. Now, the inference here is they're going to die after eating the cake. Because that's all the supply they had left. So it's not going to be a quick death. We're going to eat one more cake. And then we're going to starve to death. And you would think that a little bit of compassion would well up in the heart of the prophet. But in response to her dire circumstance... He replies with this. Bake me a cake first. Some of you right now, if I could read the bubble over your head, it would say, what a beast. What a selfish, pompous man. But he's wanting to teach something here. If you will trust God first and refuse to look at the circumstance of your life, He can step in. Someone to hear what I'm preaching right now. I'm preaching to somebody that in your life there's just a little bit of oil in the cruise. And you're 
barely making it with a little bit of meal in the barrel. And it seems preposterous that you would put God first. You're trying to make it. You're trying to survive. But the principle is, if you'll acknowledge Him first, if you'll put Him first, if I'll rise up in the morning and think about Him first, pray to Him first, give to Him first, prioritize Him first, there is a God that knows how much meal is in the barrel. And there's a God that knows how much oil is in the cruise. We cannot let circumstances determine our faith. By the way, can I just say this? We cannot let emotions determine our actions. They tell me at home that I'm an old soul. I'm an old man trapped in a middle-aged body. Because every once in a while, I will crack out with the oldest song. Bishop, we'll go way back when I start singing. I remember when I was growing up on Sunday night, we'd sing, I feel like praising, praising Him. Dun, 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 dun. I feel... I might remember this song? Praising Him. Praise Him in the morning. I'll praise Him all day long. Oh, I feel like praising, praising Him. Now I'm going to cut right down in our business right now. How many of you have ever walked into church? Please be honest. And if you would sing what you felt, I don't feel like praising, praising Him. I don't feel like praising, praising Him. Anybody in the house been there before? Don't raise your hand. Anybody there right now? But is there anybody under the sound of my voice on this Sunday morning, you walked in not feeling like praising God? You walked in not feeling like putting God first. You walked in not feeling like giving to God first, but you made up in your mind. I'm not going to respond based on my emotions or how I'm feeling. But I'm going to lift up holy hands in His sanctuary. I'm going to give unto the Lord with all the first fruit of my substance. I'm going to place Him first, whether I feel like it or not. And before long, something starts welling up. Something starts being provided. Something starts moving in your spirit. That is the power of first God. First God. First God. Come on, brothers and sisters, we can do this. We can do this. The blessing of God can rest on my life. First, God. Be seated for just another moment. Musicians, you can come to the, pl to the platform. I'm going to give you a recipe right now. Nudge your neighbor and say, you're going to get a recipe right now. You ready? You can make this this week. I'm going to give you the recipe for bread. The flour you got. Plus the oil that you got. Plus God. The flour you got. The oil you got. Plus God.
You say, Brother Gaddy, I need bread. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I need something to move in my situation. Flour plus oil plus God. I need a miracle. My circumstances plus God. My reality plus God. My situation plus God first. My reality plus God first. There's something about putting Him first. Oh, I see some elders in the house. Elders, have you seen this in your life? Come on, are there any gray heads or white heads in this house that would get a little Sunday morning wave at Brother Gaddy? Thank you, my sister. God first is where it's at. Thank you, my brother. First God is where it's at. Thank you, my sister. Living for God and putting Him first is the key to success. It's the, it's the, the groundwork for the supernatural. I want you to stand with me if you would, please. In just a moment, in just a moment, not yet, but in just a moment, I'm going to encourage everybody that is comfortable doing this to step forward in this altar area. You can keep some space if you'd like to, or you can stay in your chairs if you'd like to, but in just a moment, I'm going to ask us to respond to the Word of the Lord. And I believe... That in this holy, sacred environment, God's going to let His miraculous power break loose in our midst. Let me tell you something, you don't have to feel it. hope I've preached that adequately enough. You don't have to have a shiver up and down your spine for the miraculous power of God to work. We had a guy healed a couple of years ago at our church, and I prayed for him in church. He called me the next morning, and he said, Pastor, when you prayed for me on Sunday morning, I felt absolutely nothing. Thank you, Brother Daryl. He said, but let me tell you what happened. I went to the doctor, and everything that's been asleep in my body and not functioning well is now awake and functioning correctly. Oh, I just feel it. Pastor, I feel it right now. The miraculous power of God is in this room right now. If you need a healing in your body, the healer is present on Sunday morning. Somebody walked in here with a relationship that has been shattered and needs to be mended. Can I tell you what the recipe is? Take your circumstance and put God first in that circumstance. Seek Him with all of your heart. Let Him be the priority of our life and watch Him work. How many would come and join me real quick around the front of this altar area? We're going to respond. We're going to step out. We're going to come. Praise God. Here's what I'm going to ask those of you that are in the seats right now. I totally respect that. But would you just do this? Would you just step to the side or do something to show God I'm responding to your word? There's something about preaching that demands a response inside of our spirit. Now, let, 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 me, just, let me just bring it down to us today before we pray. The prophet said, ma'am, if you will live a first God life and you will make me a cake first, watch what he said. Watch what he said. Look, 
He did not say tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and the barrel is going to be overflowing. He didn't say you're going to get up two days from now and the cruise is just going to be bubbling over with oil. But he said, let me tell you what is going to happen. Every day. I'm sorry, that just got on me right there. Every single day that you dip into that barrel, there's going to be enough for that day. Every day you pick up that cruise and begin to pour that out in that bowl. It's not going to overflow, but there's a God of enough that is going to supply for your need for that day. Oh, I wonder if there's any folks at East Wind on Sunday morning when we're surrounded by a culture of lack and a culture of depletion would rise up and say, I've seen him to be a God of enough and I've seen him to be a God of supply. Come on, brother. Keep putting him first and keep dipping into that barrel. Come on, sister. Keep putting him first and dipping into that cruise. He is the God of enough. I wish we'd shoot our hands straight up in heaven right now. And whatever the Lord is speaking to you right now, whatever He's saying to you right now, if He's saying, hey, put me first in your prayer, put me first in your giving, put me first in relationships, come on, I wish you'd give voice to that right now, and say, Lord, this is what I'm hearing from you right now. I'm acting on that right now. I'm yielding myself to you. Come on, if it's been a while since you proved Him in tithing, step on into that lifestyle. He will provide for us. There will always be enough. If it's been a while since you put Him first in your day, step on into that. He'll prove Himself to be enough. Come on, if it's been a while since you were filled with the Holy Ghost, why don't you lift up your voice and begin to pray? Pray till you talk in the Spirit. Pray till you speak in tongues. Come on, God's going to touch children right now. God's touching families right now. God's touching our guests right now. Woo! Put Him first. Put Him first. Put Him first today. Live a God first life. I give myself to you, Lord. I yield myself to you, Lord.
right up here. Look right up here. Let me admit to you something that is very human nature. When we look at what we need supernaturally, it is so human nature to look at the chasm between what we have and what we don't have yet. And think to ourselves, there's so much I don't have. But Elijah said to the woman, the power for the miracle is already in your hand. Quit looking at what you don't have. And start doing something with what you do have. And that paves the way for the miraculous. Oh, I feel it right now. Somebody's got your eyes on what you don't have. The Lord Jesus would show up on Sunday morning and say, What do you have? You got a little bit of meal? You got a little bit of oil? Put me first with that. Put me first with your praise. Put me first with your relationship. Put me first with your money. Put me first with your life. It's already in our hand. I'd like us to feel the corporate blessing of the body right now. I wish you would just link up with somebody. Put a hand on somebody's shoulder right now. We're going to pray for each other right now. We're going to pray for each other. I want you to let the Holy Ghost lead you right now. Maybe the Lord would whisper in your spirit and say, I want to pray for you right now. We're going to sing just a little bit longer. We're going to go home in just a minute. But somebody go ahead and pray for your friend right now. Pray for your neighbor right now. Let the presence of God speak through you right now. Let the supernatural power of God touch you. He is my Come on, the mirror. 